This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Recently, the Biden administration ended the signature immigration bans put in place by the Trump administration. Uh, one dealing with foreign workers that had the skills that U.S. employers say they can't find in our labor market right now. Realistically, the ban just came to an end as it was scheduled to at the end of March. But the question of whether or not there is a significant impact that this move will have on the labor force here in the U.S. is starting to be brought up once again. Britta Glennon, Assistant Professor of Management at the Wharton School, looks at this area and she joins us with more. Britta, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. I greatly appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Uh, Thank you. So from your perspective, the fact that this ban comes to an end, not re-upped by the Biden administration, where do you see the impacts coming forward? So this I view as a a broadly positive uh, move for the U.S. economy. Um, I think we would, this will help a recovery process. Um, A lot of firms really rely on um, these immigrants um, and have struggled to find the workforce that they need um, while this ban was in place. Um, and so basically what I, what I view this is, is you know, it, it, it's a broad positive. It's, it's net positive for, for our economy, particularly as we're looking to recover um, from the pandemic. You know, immigrants have been shown to disproportionately create jobs through startups, for example, um, disproportionately create patents. So, um, you know, this this seems like a good thing that the the Biden administration did. And so when the ban was in place, what type of impact did you see play out in terms of uh, the the boost to jobs or a lack of their boost to jobs here in the United States? So, you know, it's hard to tease out the direct impacts uh, immediately after the fact, right, because there there tend to be data lags to do kind of a careful analysis. Um, but at least, you know, what I heard anecdotally from many companies is that um, when uh, the Trump administration implemented this ban, many of them were having trouble finding the the um, the workers that they needed, so they weren't seeing you know some big influx of, of native workers um, filling these jobs. Um, many of them were actually considering you know uh, shifting some of their activity to another country. Um, so this is consistent with um, my own research, which has shown that in the past, when there have been immigration restrictions um, put in place, what actually happens is a lot of offshoring. Right, so multinational firms will just hire um, the the employees that they need in other countries instead. Right? So Canada has been a, a big beneficiary of this. So that's something we've seen in the past. I see no reason not to expect um, this to have been the case uh, this most recent time, particularly in an age of uh, work from anywhere. Right, so they just made right. it even easier to offshore these jobs. And um, so I suspect so- that that's one of the the big implications of of that ban in the past. So when you think of the types of jobs that were impacted by this, it does kind of run the gamut. I think a lot of people would think, uh, 
you know, in the in the uh, construction industry, uh, in uh, lawn care, et cetera, those types of jobs. But there is also the summer seasonal work, which a lot of foreign students would take part in here in the United States. We being in the Philadelphia area know that a lot of this takes place down at the Jersey Shore uh, with the, the businesses that run during the summertime. So there are a, a wide range of firms that were really impacted by this type of ban. Yeah, that's right. So um, the ban certainly impacted you know, high-skilled uh, visas like the H-1B, which is probably the most well-known, um, but also you know more low-skilled uh, visas like the H-2B, which is these seasonal um, non-agricultural workers. So yes, I mean this was really a broad ban on a, a wide range of of um, immigration, and and lots of different types of firms were were impacted. Last year, obviously, because of the pandemic, most of those businesses were shut down. Uh, they they didn't have the opportunity to even bring those uh, those workers in. This year, I think it becomes uh, an even more important component, potentially, with a lot of these businesses in, in using the short communities as an example, becomes important if, in fact, those businesses are open and to a degree if international travel is allowed as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think on the high skills end, you know, this was very much, um, you know, a big negative impact um, the whole time, right? So that won't have changed that much. But on the low skilled end, and particularly these temporary um, non-agricultural workers, um, you know, may not have had as much of an impact last year because many of these businesses were closed anyway due to COVID. But this year, um, as everything is opening up again, you know, as, as vaccinations go out, as there's more domestic and international travel, um, this is really just in time to lift the ban um, so that there's, there's plenty of um, these seasonal summer workers to hire, um, you know, as our economy opens back up. One of the things that the the Trump administration had said uh, was that this was going to open doors up, these bans, open doors up to uh, Americans to be able to take these jobs. But in some cases, some of these jobs were ones that Americans didn't want to have for the most part anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of research in this area. Um, The immigration literature goes back decades trying to answer this question, right? Um, and broadly speaking, there there have not been, um, you know, the empirical evidence tends to point towards, um, you know, when there are these restrictions, it does not create more jobs for Americans, right? It's basically um, not thinking about, um, you know, supply and demand correctly, right? So if you're restricting, um, it, when more immigrants come in, they're not just uh, you know, passive actors in the economy. They're buying things. They're consuming. They're creating jobs, et cetera. And so the supply is also changing, supply and demand. Um, and so that's kind of the fundamental reason why we actually don't see them replacing jobs, because they're actually creating more ones uh, when they come. Um, and that's probably so- what, what the consensus in the research is. So to a degree, we've been talking about this so far on on the scope of the federal government. But I think there's also an element of state government, which 
sees this as a vital change as well. When you think about, you know, the different states and how they have differing levels uh, of people coming into these programs, thinking more on the high skill, let's using tech as an example, how tech is expanding into different states. It's not just primarily Silicon Valley anymore. Uh, So many states have differing levels of importance to have these types of programs in place. Yeah, um, and you can see that actually with, like, the proposed, you know, Heartland visa, right, which would, um, you know, specifically encourage immigration in uh, middle America where there are, you know, towns and cities that are shrinking as opposed to growing, and they, you know, many people are leaving to go to the coast. And so this is actually a countervailing force towards that. And so many, you actually see lots of states and cities um, in the, the middle of the country um, that are actively um, advocating for you know, more immigrants and trying to encourage more immigrants there to, to counteract the, the population shrinkage that they're seeing. With those with those rules in place prior, what was the impact on something like the au pair industry? Because I know that's something that has really grown in, in recent years and for many families is seen as a, as a vital need to be able to provide uh, to get childcare provided uh, on a on a full time basis, I'm wondering how much that was impacted over the last uh, couple of years. Yeah, so I haven't seen um, you know any you know uh, empirical research explicitly evaluating this, um, but certainly what appears to be true just from looking at kind of aggregate data um, and anecdotal information. Um, is that this was an industry that was that was really hit hard, right? Because during COVID, many families didn't have childcare, right? Schools are shutting down, daycares are shutting down, um, and so there's actually even more demand for a, a live-in nanny of some kind, right? Um, and so just when demand was increasing, you have this um, sudden restriction of supply. What's the expectation then, I guess, moving forward, and to a degree, this may still have to play out with the fact that the Biden administration kind of let these bans end, uh, is the expectation that we could potentially see an increase in the numbers of some of these programs in terms of the visa availability? Yeah, so it depends. So, um, you know, some of these programs have caps on them, um, and so you would legislative um, uh, efforts to actually, you know, increase the number of visas that are actually allowed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a, the H-1B program is kind of the obvious one here. Um, and so it was already, there was already far more demand than, than supply there. Um, and so some of this, you know, the Biden administration will have to put forward uh, legislative plans to actually increase immigration, because I suspect that um, what will happen is that once again, there will be you know, um, far more demand for immigrants than are actually allowed into the country based on our current policies. Right. And the other part that, that we saw play out a few months ago uh, was a surge of people crossing uh, the U.S.-Mexico border coming from various locations, Central America, Mexico, obviously, and other countries, that that we had seen a surge of people just coming across the border uh, wanting to be here in the United States no matter what. Yes, 
yeah, yeah. So that's that's certainly one one facet of where we're already seeing this, um, but you see it kind of across the board. So not just um, on the border, but also in terms of um, you know, high-skilled immigrants wanting to come into the country, and there's still being pretty stringent lim- limitations due to um, green card limits, due to H-1B limits, et cetera. Um, so it's really how does the, the uh, I'm sorry, how does then the kind of the reinstitution of these types of programs play a role in the scope of where we are as a country right now with so many jobs to fill and so much opportunity to be able to fill those jobs right now? Yeah. So, you know, I think people often use kind of the broader uh, unemployment rate to argue that we don't need immigrants, that those jobs should go to Americans. But in fact, um, many of these visas are explicitly designed to try and fill um, gaps in niche parts of the economy, right? So in areas where um, there aren't really enough uh, Americans, right? So, um, you know, going back to, you know, H-1B visas, right? So there's, um, you know, overall in the economy as a whole, right, um, unemployment is, is still quite high. But if you look in the tech industry, it's really low, um, and it's actually very hard to find enough enough workers. Um, if you think about, you know, temporary workers, um, there's going to be a, a big surge in demand uh, for them, and so immigrants can help uh, meet that gap too, right? So um, it's really about kind of meeting these needs in particular parts of the economy where there there just aren't really enough Americans to to meet companies' needs. Has, has there been research done that has looked at you know, specific numbers in terms of the amount of impact that that these immigration programs have on economic growth here in the United States? Um, there have. Um, I do not have the numbers off the top okay. of my head. Um, but, I mean, if you think about you know, so startup activity, for example, um, immigrants are 80% more likely to start new firms than Americans, right? right? So they, they act more as job creators. So that gives you one kind of sense um, of, of how they might help, you know, economic growth. Okay. Britta, thank you very much for your time. Greatly appreciate your insight. All the best. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Britta Glennon, who is Assistant Professor of Management here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.